You're listening to Campus 180 Radio. Funny, thoughtful, real. Superman and Pikachu, Pixar and Tony Hawk. These are top shelf items that are very hot, but the things on the bottom shelf are what Mike and Adam want. Welcome to Sports Talk 24-7. Woo! Well, Michael, as you know, uh, oh, this is Adam, by the way. I don't know if you could tell by my wonderfully dulcet tones. But, yes. you know, like our, our podcast, we, we talk about a lot of things in pop culture, don't we? We do. We're so relevant. Yeah, I mean, you know, being number one in coverage about, you know, South Korean dramas. You know, yep. we're, we're, we're really cutting edge. Um, but there's definitely a gap in what we talk about. And maybe it has something to do with us both being nerds. But we don't talk a lot about sports on this channel now, do we? Right, right. When uh, If we did talk about bottom shelf sports, and just to kind of go back a little, we're bottom shelf dreams. We talk about the things, not that you find on the top shelf, like Nike, but the things you find on the bottom shelf. Like every shoe brand that isn't Nike. Um, Skechers. Yep, Skechers. We talk about those things. And uh, if we did do, if we were officially bottom shelf sports, we would just do a lot of cricket and badminton uh, facts. Rich. Yeah, oh, of course. Horse racing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Maybe a little bit of curling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we don't we don't do a lot of a lot of sports coverage, and you know sports aren't necessarily our our strong suit, and you know maybe we're not quite ready to to breach that uh you know, breach that gap quite yet. But we're 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 doing something that's sports adjacent, aren't we? Ah uh, yes. Um, probably the only thing I can weigh in 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 sports, especially with that uh, season finale of the NFL coming up. Yeah. Right. You know, they, it's just because they, they trademarked the word that must not be uttered. But right, right. you have to say, you know, the big game. Yeah, the big games. Kind of the, the big the big show's weird cousin. Right. <laughs> the main event of NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some people will, will argue that, you know, for the for the big game that, you know, they, you know, it, it has millions and millions of viewers. And, um, billions but a lot billions of, those, of dollars. Billions, billions of dollars. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely one of the the most watched things collectively that we Americans do. And you know, I would say at least you know forty five percent, maybe forty percent of the people watching are are people that are just dragged along for the ride. They're 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 there for the the social experience. They're there to be with their friends, and you know, they, the they watch the hot wings, and you know, they're there to watch the commercials and. The halftime show, mm-hmm. uh, which is what this episode is about. We're talking about the halftime show in this episode, and you know we're trying a, a new format out this this week, and hopefully maybe it'll become a, a reoccurring game for us, um, where I'm going to present you know five um, real life Super Bowl halftime shows, the you know the conceivable uh, top shelf, and and Michael's going to present you know five bottom shelf options. And we're going to leave it up to you viewers to decide what you guys think is mm-hmm. 
the better halftime show. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see where this where this leads us. I, I'm pretty excited about this format. It'll, I think it'll allow us to explore a lot of, you know, a lot of different things and get us creative. And, um, you know, I, I'm psyched for this one. Right. So just, uh, I'm on a fun website right now. Yes. And uh, true or false, Ooh. Um, Wimbledon is watched more than the Super Bowl. That's a oh a fantastic question. Um, I'm I'm gonna say false. That is correct. Uh, Super Bowl is viewed more than Wimbledon's final game. Mm. And, um, and and that one's tough because like Wimbledon and like a lot of those tournament style sporting events, they're like longer, so it's hard to kind of get everyone focused right. on just one thing. Well, the Super Bowl is just like, oh, it's here. Right. Yeah. Only ten percent of what the Super Bowl takes in uh it was viewed the wimbledon the final uh Djokovic versus federer uh that special match sports games um, you know yeah on the other hand the cricket world cup their final game or their most politically fired up game where uh pakistan and india play against each other yikes um, uh, the Super Bowl only has 10 percent of what that can bring in oh i'm i'm sure I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you think about it, just the populations of Pakistan and India, like, those are massive. The World Series only gets half of what the Super Bowl takes in. The NHL Stanley Cup, do you think it gets more than Wimbledon or less than Wimbledon? That's a great question. Um, you know, and, and I think the problem is all of Canada is going to be watching, but the problem is all of Canada isn't that much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's... I want to say it's it's true, but it's probably pretty close. Wimbledon beats out the Stanley Cup. Yep. Does uh, it say by how much? Or let's see. When the two highest ranking teams face each other, the viewership is five million. Mm. Um, and let's see, Wimbledon gets ten million. Okay. Okay. And then finally, you have the. Oh wait, wait. You have uh, the Olympics. Ooh. Um, in Beijing, 40 million, or 40, or sorry, in Beijing, 1 billion people watch the opening ceremonies, um, with the Americans only watching, uh, only the highest America watched was 40 million for the gymnastics events. Right. The Olympics opening ceremony is on par with cricket or soccer championships, which beat the, the Super Bowl. But finally, where does this uh, Victoria's Secrets fashion show come in? Oh man, this now this is the hard hitting questions <laughs> that you come to bottom shelf dreams for the answer to. Um, man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not even close. I'm gonna say the Super Bowl blows it out of the water. Yeah. Okay. Victoria's Secret can't even beat Wimbledon, so they got three million views in 2018. So I'm so sorry. Uh, Federer beat out a bunch of uh, Victoria Angels. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, I mean, makes sense to me, but um, mm-hmm. that's a lot of people, though. It makes a lot of people. Right. And and I, I, those other ones make sense to me, too. I mean, those are, you know, the Olympics, the World Cup. Like, those are, you know, huge international events. So it makes sense to me that those would, you know, beat out um, Super Bowl, but... I think it's interesting. Do you, do you think that it's compulsory viewing in like places like 
China where they, you know what I mean? They're yeah. Like, oh, you have to support or you have to watch designated things. Well, I visualized uh, Chinese government making uh, their their citizens watch the Victoria's Secret show. <laughs> now that would be interesting. <laughs> hey, sign me up for communism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I I'm envisioning that you know China is you know forces its population to watch the uh, the Olympics, and you know right when they're about to lose, it cuts to a, like a badly edited reversioning of events, and then everyone goes, "Yay, we did it, we won!" Oh man, that's so whether funny. You, whether you lose, <laughs> China, you're always a winner. Right, exactly. Yeah. Win or lose, China always wins. Yes. So and that's, that's what happens in North Korea too. Not you know, not to to bunny trail, but uh, yeah. don't they? And I'm sure it happens, but they're always like they win every single sporting event. They're like, oh, Olympic, the Olympics, they take home the most golds. You yeah. know, they, you know, Kim Jong wins. You know, every golf tournament. Right. There's no such thing as a casual game over there. Right, right. Oh, man. So, so, Mike, yeah, go ahead. Let's just jump right into bottom shelf or top shelf. Yes. For those of you keeping score at home, you shouldn't, because it's totally 100% opinion. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Adam um, about a certain piece of media, and he has to say, is it on the top shelf? Which means, you know, everybody and their mother knows about it. It's like that uh, Encanto Bruno song. Um <laughs> Which is uh, beating out the the frozen "Let It Go" song right now? Um, Everywhere, or, or is it a hidden gem that uh, people remember fondly, but mm. wish they yeah. it, it could come full mm. circle? Full circle. So this is going to be a music edition, and you need oh, to tell wow. me. I'm going to give you a band and yes. a song they Ooh. sing, and you got to be like, you know, is that is that bottom shelf or top shelf? Can't wait. So, um, Florence and the Machine. At number one, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, this one, I just put Florence in the Machine, because no, I, I could look up their one song. The one song I know is A Kiss with a Fist, um, and that's like their more punky song. But just Florence and the Machine as a whole, where do they fit? That's a great question. I mean, Florence and the Machine are kind of like in that same category as like Arcade Fire, where they're just, you know, the they're at the top of the indie charts, and they're... Right. Um, you know, they they've kind of reached a mainstream success, but they, you know, they're not Taylor Swift. Um, no. you know, I, I, this this one's tough because you know, put up against you know Katy Perry, people would be like, oh, maybe mid to bottom tier. But yeah. for me, or like bottom shelf, and I mean, I, I think they're incredible. I love Florence and the Machine, but given the grand scheme of things, I'm gonna go bottom shelf. Yeah, they are they are on the bottom shelf, but I think they're just like a smidgen. Like there are always like a few record sales going to the top. I you know I like to think of it like this: like um, could this band do a secret show and only invite like their most loyal fans without anyone else knowing? Like uh, you know the Beatles couldn't do that. You know we're we're just gonna have a secret show in Syracuse. Right. Uh, you know, tell your friends, and then you know, there's just a faithful 300 in the crowd. Right, right. Yeah, I don't yeah, think but... Florence and the Machine could do that, or maybe they could. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, going through the mm. the in our time machine, 
where does our good friends Papa Roach cut my life to pieces? Uh, uh, man, I mean, are we talking about if I'm, you know, in in the midst of the heyday in the 90s or right now? Because I want right to do now, it all right now. Like right now, bottom the, the, shelf, right? Like all those guys, Papa Roach, Hooba Stank, Nickelback, all those guys, bottom uh, shelf. Bottom shelf. You know, some of them don't want to be on the bottom shelf. They're like, we want to be popular, but we can't. Right. And, you know, for a time, they, you know, those are the, the biggest, you know, those are the, those are the big boys at, yeah. you know, the, in the mid nineties into the, the 2000s. Like, you know, those guys yeah. were top of the world. Well, you know, any song you can parody the cut me up some pizza. <laughs> that, that's my kind of song. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, you're you're at the Vans. Mm. Uh, what is it? The Vans uh, tour. That Warp they used tour. To Warp tour. Yes. Um, MXPX comes out and they start playing punk rock show. Mm. Top shelf or bottom? Man, I mean, I love me some MXPX. Um, you know, but in the in the grand scheme of Blink One Eighty Two, All Time Low, Paramore, mm-hmm. you know, those guys. Um, there's there. They're bottom shelf, but man, they're not. It's it's kind of a shame that we have to put them on the same shelf as Nickelback because MXPX is just better than Nickelback. Well, you know, we do have a shelf where mm. like it's bottom shelf, but we don't want to hear it, which right. is kind of just like you know back of the shed shelf. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. MXPX is on the bottom shelf, right next to you know Our Lady Peace and right. Florence and the Machine. Oh, see, that would be a great tour. I would make yeah. it out to that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, now, now uh, pretend that... Uh, you know, no, 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 pretend you're in modern times. This is a good modern times uh, guess, but uh, Run DMC comes out, and they, they're they playing Walk This Way without Aerosmith. Without Aerosmith. And... Um, I. Is everybody in that group alive? I think one of them might be dead. You know that is a great question. Um, I don't. I don't know enough about Run DMC. Um, but um, you know those guys are those guys are huge, right? Those are yeah. those guys are grandfather of modern hip hop R and B. You know those mm-hmm. guys are yeah top shelf all the way. Top shelf, good. Um, now imagine yourself 1998ish, late 90s, um, and Aqua's Barbie Girl comes on the radio. Man, that song was garbage then, and it's garbage now. Um, and I, I understand that it's. Did it chart? I have no idea. Well, um, you know, it's it's like the poster child of like one hit wonder, mm. um, pop music for the sake of being popular um that quirky 90s feel and then that band just kind of dying yeah um i remember the uh the local radio station and maybe this is um maybe this is indicative of um uh how it how it uh how it's viewed but uh they ran they played this song for 24 hours straight just back to back to back yeah and um, the only way that you could get it off if the if the, you donated into the radio station for like whatever they were, I think they're raising awareness for um, like prostate cancer or something. But um, mm-hmm. is if you reached a certain donation goal, and I was like, that's genius. Just 
holding people hostage until they give you enough right. money. And, you know, uh, that wouldn't work in the Spotify era. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I, I, <laughs> I just looked it up, and Barbie Girl charted at number one in, yeah. for, for four weeks in the UK. Uh, and you wonder why Brexit happened. They're That's making those choices. I mean, it got to number seven on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. True. So, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I got to say top shelf, but yeah. man, what an awful song. <laughs> uh, all right. Now uh, it's 2000 and I think five. I want to say five. <laughs> and P.O.D. Youth of the Nation is playing <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> we are, we are. Youth of the Nation. Man, P.O.D. Um, I mean. Again, P.O.D. is, you know, one of those bands that for a shining moment, um, especially in the the void left by Nirvana and all those, like, post-grunge bands that came in to fill the void, like Mm. Foo Fighters and Bush and Soundgarden and Mm. all those guys. Um, You know, but those, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say bottom shelf. I mean, P.O.D. did rule that summer, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, you ask someone today about POD, they're like, who? Right. And, um, I think in that shining moment, that shining summer, maybe top shelf, but I, yeah, I, I think we gotta go bottom. Yeah. They're, they're like most shining and, uh, you know, most po- famous achievement was probably being able to, uh, make Ray Mysterio's entrance theme. Absolutely. You know? I mean, booyaka, booyaka. <laughs> It's crazy to me how relevant Rey Mysterio still is to this day. I heard he's um he's gonna be on the cover for the new WWE game. Yeah, there's a whole story. Like you know, speaking of sports, there's a whole story mode around him. So yeah, good for him. Rey Mysterio is always one of my favorite wrestlers. And to think, like he was hot and young when I was into wrestling, and now he's like a classic legend, and that's just crazy. Right, and it's it's insane that he's been in wrestling for so long, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have too many, you know, major scandals. Right. If any, I can't think of any. You know, that's can say that. Right. Yeah, that's Hootie and the Blowfish Who. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if it's a, I, I gotta go. You know, I gotta go bottom shelf just because the the library catalog isn't there. Um, but man, what a song. You know, I consider yourself bottom shelf if Rochester can afford you, and that's a band we can definitely afford. Yeah, maybe, maybe even at like one of our smaller festivals. Now, here's here's one that I'm, I'm I just definitely want to know where these guys fit. Um, so I picked a you know a band that you're gonna want to say top shelf, but then you're gonna, but when you hear the song, you're gonna be like, is it that though? And that is Metallica, Unforgiven Two. Oh. Did I lose you? Yo, yo. So the band I am thinking of is Metallica and their song Unforgiven 2, Top Shelf or Bottom Shelf. Man, uh, Metallica is just one of those timeless bands. and So tough. Um, and they, it feels like even when they release stuff like, you know, now, people get just as excited. And, um, I mean, we wouldn't have, you know, WCW without Metallica, right? Like, right, Sting's theme song. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Metallica is, you know, one of those just timeless bands, top shelf all the way. 
Yes, but uh, Unforgiven 2, it has often been called the runt of the Unforgiven trilogy. Do you think that that belongs in Bottom Shelf? I mean, if you're comparing Metallica to itself, sure. You know, put that on the bottom shelf. But, like, Metallica's bottom shelf is, you know, uh, I don't know, is Zed's top shelf. Right, is, yeah. You know, like, there are levels to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, but, you know, you, you're putting that up against things like Master of Puppets, so it's like... <laughs> right. Like, what and are you... The, I feel like there's a war. Like, the old fans of Metallica will tell mm-hmm. you anything that came out in the 80s, early 90s is when they were good, and all their new stuff is trash. Some people will say their early 2000s was the best, and their new stuff is trash. And I don't know if anyone, if I've met anyone who likes the new Metallica stuff. You know, it's it's you know it's complicated, especially when it's they they have such a, a spanning discography. But um, yeah, it's I mean, even if it's what uh, we were talking about, sorry, hardwired self destruct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's still you know it debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200. You know, it sold 291 units. Um, you know, it's and it's the uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, hey, say what say what you want about it, but those are top shelf numbers to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Metallica, easy answer, right? Easy answer. Okay. Now imagine the next one. You go to a yeah. Taylor Swift show. Oh boy. And she ends. Mm-hmm. She ends her show with "It's nice to have a friend," <laughs> which is just yeah. a random song I picked out near the end of her album. Which Which one is that one on? Um. Oh my gosh, I gotta find it again. I don't even know that one. Yeah. It must it, be from it must be from like Red or Fearless. Two thousand nineteen. Uh whatever she did for that one. Uh I mean it might be a re recording. Yeah. Um two thousand nineteen? I don't even know what album that might be. You know, the crazy the crazy thing is I don't know. Go I ahead. remember the album having a tree in it. Um but you know, uh, Spotify's weird about album covers sometimes. Um but again, I, I think this is a, a case of, you know, sure, on, you know, the grand scale of Taylor Swift's greatest hits, this might be towards the mid to the bottom. Um, but, you know, again, Taylor Swift's mid to the bottom of her discography are is a height that bands wish they could get to. Right, right. You know? Um, yeah. Oh, oh, this is off her Lover album. Lover 2019. Album. Okay. Yes. Imagine, imagine if you will, mm. if she did a show and she only played like hits that aren't on the radio. Like, you know, it comes out to death by a thousand cuts, you know, woo, woo, and then she ends with the, her uh, t- 2017 reputation album hit dress. You know what the wild thing would be is, you know, if anybody else were to do something like that, people would be mad, disappointed, be like, oh, mm-hmm. How could Bruno Mars do this to us? Maroon 5 yeah. didn't play any of their hits. But Taylor Swift does it, and you know everyone would be like, oh, so iconic. You right. know, she's she's giving us a unique, you know, concert experience. You know, she's playing things that, right, you know, right. that only real Taylor Swift fans know. And, you know, the BuzzFeed articles would be like, you know. She does it again. She, she does it again. Right. Um. You know, this concert is for hardcore Taylor Swift fans only. Right, right. 
and that sort of stuff. And you know, as insufferable as that is, that's pretty that you know, top shelf. Right. Um, and the final is the arch rival of Taylor Swift, at least in my heart, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, her as a singer, top shelf or bottom shelf? Um, has she released anything in terms of like a discography? I know that she does like she's done a couple videos with like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like yeah. on the internet and stuff. But she's in a band called She and Him. Okay, okay, and it's a little bit folksy. Um, okay, I mean, yeah. uh, this one's this one's tough because you know, as a as an actor. Um, you know, she's she's on the A list. I put her on the top shelf for that. But you know, for music, I'm gonna have to go bottom shelf. I mean, the name recognition isn't there in terms of like music and you know, <laughs> like in the the scheme of you know actors who you know also done music. Like, is she on the same level as like Lizzie McGuire? Is she on the same level as Selena is Gomez? Anyone on the same level as Lizzie McGuire? That's the real question. Yeah. Hillary Duff, sorry, is that that's oh, your name? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that. Let the rain fall down. <laughs> it's the only uh, Hillary Duff song I know. And right, then... right, and I mean, she has a you know that's a that's a charting hit, right? Yeah. Does, does Zoe Deschanel have a charting hit? I don't know. Uh, you know, you could find her like on on like Starbucks radio. Of course. Like you know this this secret uh, indie hit. Uh, you know, we knew her when she was just a singer. Blah blah blah. Pew. Anyways, let's get to the meat of our show. Yes, enough potatoes. Adam, yeah, you have a halftime show that uh, you think is iconic—a real one that was played by the Super Bowl. About the Super Bowl. And, mm-hmm. and can I just use? Kind uh, of. I'm just going to get off on a little bunny trail. Yeah, let's do it. The Super Bowl, the only halftime show that we ever remember, like a musical performance. You know, that's a that's a great that's a great question. I mean, I mean, there are you know there the college the college football games have you know started to do halftime shows. They're not it's not as big and famous, but you know there's there's still like singer for them though. Sure, sure, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you think about like the World Cup, like they, you know, there's some crossover. Um, uh, what's her name? Shakira did both. Um, you know, the World Cup and yeah. um, when they were in Africa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and arguably something even bigger, Zootopia. Yes. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I, I think the uh. Yeah, I can't think of a, another sporting event where uh, like, a, a halftime performance is so linked with the identity of the actual day. Yeah. And no one, yeah, no one gets like that dramatic about a bad halftime show in any other sporting event. Like right. when the UK, uh, the UK Olympics in London, they had uh, they had uh, the, the band Madness playing "Our House in the Middle of the Street." Like you don't hear people from the UK going, "Those guys." I'm so disappointed this year, you know. Right, right, exactly. No, yeah. exactly. I mean, and I think part of it is just like, as the United States, um, you know, we we pride ourselves right on um, mm-hmm. entertainment and and what's more American than football. Right, and you know, even last year we had the weekend, um, yeah, which I learned was one guy. 
Right. And it was like COVID America. So he was kind of like running around a half empty stadium um, in a hall of mirrors singing yeah. it stuff. And I'm like, this is Very weird. Memeable. Entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I know. I, I think that question kind of, you know, leads into, um, you know, just a, I, I have a little bit of a, a, a background about just all the halftime shows because, you know, maybe some people that listen to us aren't necessarily one American and have an understanding of what a halftime show is or mm-hmm. two just don't care about sports. And that's totally fair. Um, but, for, you know, for those of you not in the know, American football is a sport played and it features two teams. They go up and down a, a field that's marked out um, in 10 yard increments and they try to score. But at halftime, um, at the Super Bowl in particular, which is like the championship game, um, there's usually a musical performance and um, it kind of, there's like a line of demarcation between like the 1990s and before, um, usually like pre-1990. Um, the halftime show was usually a just like a marching band or whatever. But then after the 90s, there's usually um, a combination of um, marching bands, but slowly kind of diminishing and more featuring, you know, pop and rock and rap stars. Mm-hmm doing the halftime show and kind of yeah the the big yeah the big line of demarcation 1990 yeah yeah like the, the the idea that hot pop stars would would show up during the the super bowl really took off in the 90s like you don't hear anyone talking about that time in the 70s the super bowl got you know uh you know earth wind and fire <laughs> you know you don't hear about that but you know about michael jackson 95 or um, you know, McCartney in the 2005 and right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, and those are, those are huge. Um, and that's why, um, yeah. So the game that we're going to be playing is I'm going to present, you know, five different individual Super Bowl halftime shows that I think exemplify, um, you know, the, the, the top shelfness of the event. And then Mike is going to present five musical acts that he thinks can go toe to toe from the bottom shelf. And um, we'll we'll leave it up to you, dear viewers, about which you guys think um, is the true right. winner. You have to guess which one is real. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking of it like as a poker thing. Like, you mm. know, I, I play you Michael Jackson in 1993 and I'll say, I'll see your Michael Jackson and raise you, you know, uh, BTS. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, shall we get into it with, yeah. with the uh, the first one that I got on deck? Yep. Okay, Michael. I, I know that we were talking about the uh, you know the the line of demarcation there, and I'm gonna go right to 1991. And um, mm-hmm. this one this one probably has the most uh, you know backstory kind of involved in it, and um, mm-hmm. and I think that that backstory makes it worthy of maybe being the best example of what a halftime show has come to mean and what the NFL has come to mean mm-hmm. in terms of like sports entertainment. Um, and also it's just filled with some local flavor. Uh, and so it, it, in essence, it's the perfect thing to kick us off. Um, so mm-hmm. the 1991 Super Bowl, um, for those of you not in uh you know, that didn't grow up in Western New York or don't like sports, uh, was the the wide right Buffalo Bills Super Bowl, where uh, it started the the four, you know, the four straight Super Bowl appearance and losses by the Buffalo Bills. 
Um, so, you know, this kind of just sets the stage for, you know, the halftime show. And, um, you know, this one, and this is the only time I'm going to mention it because this is, in my opinion, the greatest live performance of the national anthem of all time. But Whitney Houston sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And let me tell you, do yourself a favor, go back and watch it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's literally the voice of an angel. It's, it's the greatest oh, it's performance. Incredible. Good. It's, it's mm-hmm. so great, which only leads us <laughs> down a dark, dark path for how bad <laughs> the halftime show was in 1991. So to kick it all off, uh, when the Super Bowl aired um, at, you know, in February or whatever, 10 days previously was the start of the Gulf War. (laughs) Um, Man. So um, instead of nationally broadcasting uh, the halftime show, um, people instead were switched over to Peter Jennings as he updated the nation about what was happening in Iraq. (laughs) Wow. So, the only people that watched the actual halftime show were people either in the local area um, network or whatever local area service network, which was, it was in Florida, um, saw it. Or if your cable provider chose to show it, they showed it at the end of the game. Wow. Okay, now stay with me. (laughs) This, um, (laughs) This halftime show featured the boy band New Kids on the Block. Absolutely. As, you know, the adults. And, but the main performers was Disney. <laughs> Disney? <laughs> so, the, the halftime show was called, and this is the, the full title, A Small World Salute to 25 Years of the Super Bowl. <laughs> and this is straight from Wikipedia. It's produced by Disney, and it featured over 3,500 local children from different ethnic backgrounds singing and performing various iconic Disney songs and featuring a performance by the boy band New Kids on the Block. Wow. <laughs> um, they sang such famous Disney songs as It's a Small World After All, We Are the World, I Like to Teach the World to Sing, and then New Kids on the Block came out and sang Step by Step, and then um, it featured a duet between New Kids on the Block and all the kids called This One's for the Children. And then it ended with a rousing chorus of It's a Small World After All. <laughs> Sounds really beautiful. Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. It's And it, it features all the production of a Disney event that you would think of. There's fireworks. There's various Disney costume performers. Um, there, uh, you know, the, and of course, there's just constant reminders of, you know, saluting the troops um, you know, pledging allegiance to the flag, bald eagles, you know, there's right. jet flyovers, the whole nine. And, you know, this is really kind of the start of, you know, that kind of weird parasocial relationship between the NFL and the armed forces. Um, you know how nowadays they always do like a flyover and they'll have like a military band or whatever. And, you know, there's that um, contract that was revealed a little while ago that they, the, the United States armed forces had with the NFL to do, you know, advertising or whatever for, for them. But this is kind of like the start of it. So, you know, it's, so, you know, the, the 91 uh, Super Bowl kind of halftime show kind of is everything to me what the top, what a top shelf thing is, right? It has tons of money dumped into it, crazy high production value, 
Um, and the outcome is something you're like, why? Why did this happen? Why did this need to happen? And, uh, you know, viewer, decide for yourself. Like, hey, is the multi-million dollar Disney little kid, new kids on the block, it's the top shelf, but is it worth it? Um, I think that the deeper question is, is should we get Peter Jennings in the halftime show? I think he's dead. <laughs> I think he passed Internet, away. Internet, can you confirm? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, if you know, if you got some time and you're real bored and you want to just look for it, it's available somewhere online. Um, it's it's weird, dude. It's some kind of fever dream. And that's what we're all about here. So, but speaking yes. of mm-hmm. fever dream, Adam, that was a delicious slice of the '90s. Yes, but if I was going to make an '80s comeback tour. Yes, as part of the halftime show. So this is my fantasy, mm. in my fantasy draft, and I'm thinking they should have halftime show fantasy drafts. Oh, absolutely! I would, I would go in there. Um, so you have the lineup of Eddie Money, uh, Damn Yankees, and Extreme um, playing their 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 hits. Uh, More Than Words from Extreme. Everyone loves that song. Um, you think a band named Extreme would have a more of extreme song, but no. They're known for More Than Words. Yeah. Um, damn Yankees playing, Can You Take Me Higher And then, uh, you know, Eddie Money. Uh, I think he, he's probably the biggest name on this comeback tour. Um, playing his song, you know, Two Tickets to Paradise. Uh, baby, hold on. Take me home. That would be a great way to end it. Absolutely. And it would just it would represent everything in the eighties. Uh, snap on bracelets. Mm. Uh, low low priced fireworks. Let's not get over. <laughs> let's not go overboard here, folks. Right, right. Yeah. No, I I, I totally I I love just the the vibe of this one. Right, like it's yeah. you know it's it's not flock of seagulls. You know, it's it's not um, you know it it it's not you know it's not <laughs> what you think, right? Like it's not the it's not the '80s that you think, but it's the '80s that you want, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, mm-hmm. a side note: Eddie Money is dead, so he died at seventy. So this is going to be a little bit harder to come to fruition. But hey, you know, this is your fantasy. Yes, in my alternate universe, this works exactly, and. You know, the, I really feel like this is what, you know, the nation is what the nation needs right now, right? Like it mm-hmm. needs, you know, it needs um, you know, some good vibes and it needs, um, you know, just no frills, right? There's no alternative agenda. You know, it's not divisive. And, you know, it just feels so wholesome. Right. And it's hard to be offended by this. It'd be more like, wow, you know, thank you. Thank you for bringing back the rock. You know, put all these pop singers to shame right. with some yeah. real men. Yeah, some boys to men. Yes. Um, no, I, 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 I'm on board with this, Mike. And you know, I think, especially when you put it up against, um, tragedy. <laughs> yeah, when you put it up against New Kids on the Block and just huge production value, where I feel like both of these halftime shows are trying to achieve the same thing, right? You know, unity. They're trying to achieve, you know, uh, just a feeling of, of, of comfiness, you know? Yeah. And But one just feels, you know, fake money thrown at it. And the other mm-hmm. one is just, hey, you remember the 80s? The 80s are great. 
Let's just vibe, bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with a guy like Eddie Money, you know, what can go wrong? Right. I mean, the 80s are super in right now. You you know, you look at, you know, TV shows, you're looking at, you know, music, trying to emulate kind of just like 80s synth. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's a winner. All right. So Gauntlet Thrown, Gauntlet Thrown Back. What's your second choice? Man, uh, you know, this one, in terms of scandal... I mean, I can't think of one bigger than the 2004 Super Bowl halftime show. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the 2004 Super Bowl halftime show, it's, you know, people, you know, obviously remember just the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson incident. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that were either not alive or don't remember, um, there was this bit where Justin Timberlake and you know, Janet Jackson, they were performing together, and there was a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction where Justin Timberlake tore off a piece of Justin, or, <laughs> sorry, tore off a piece of Janet Jackson's um, outfit, costume, and exposed her on live television. It was a big scandal. Um, but, you know, everyone kind of remembers that. But, Michael, do you remember the rest of the lineup? Because I'm betting that you don't. No, no, I can never remember the first people that come out. So it's Jessica Simpson. Right. P. Diddy. Right. Nelly. Uh-huh. And are you ready for this last one? You could have a million guesses and you would never guess this next name. Oh, no. What? Kid Rock. <laughs> Kid Rock. Oh, there was a time when those guys were the best. Like, if you Absolutely. wanted the best, you listened to Kid Rock. <laughs> the NFL yeah. believed it. um right so that that's just that's crazy i remember i was in my christian um conservative college and we all watched the super bowl together in the main viewing area and you know i saw the i saw the the justin timberlake hand thing i don't know if it was a mistake or if it was all planned but you know uh janet jackson's face she she either had a very good improv face where you you know you just take what you got and you play it or or it was the whole thing was planned and she was like yeah take that you know CBS because I think CBS had to write an apology yeah um yeah it was just very very controversial and um uh <laughs> here's this for a a piece of uh action or a piece of uh history for you. It was the most rewatched moment in TiVo history. Oh, the <laughs> golden age. If that doesn't take you back to the early 2000s, I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. I'm um, sure. And uh, also, to top it all off, uh, just before the start of the second half, after that uh, exposure of the human body, uh, a British speaker named Mark Roberts ran onto the field and just a thong, and was running around and dancing. <laughs> Until he was tackled by a large, large Patriot linebacker. Oh, oh my gosh. So, I came up with, uh, people become better humans after this one. <laughs> um, so, it starts off with the, the first, uh, you know, everyone's wondering why there's a huge rainbow balloons uh, along the stage, I like it so far. Yeah, and uh, and then suddenly you see there's a large body of water right in front of the stage, and then uh, out from it you hear the Jaws theme song. Uh oh. Uh oh. And then 
the Japanese hit sensation, Pink Fong comes out and says, Baby Shark Shark doo 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 to the to the ad, the uh, adoration of millions um <laughs> going into pink sh- going into baby shark maybe even going into their teddy bear song which i hear is pretty hot i've only heard it 30 times um but you think that's over you know oh, the kids are satisfied right. the kids are loving large, it a large bull descends from what? the stage mike in that bowl is pieces of fruit and out come the wiggles singing fruit salad incredible uh, uh you know kids in the audience throwing their pacifiers their bottles onto the stage oh, on stage maybe some bibs yeah some bibs uh you know they're going crazy it's pandemonium and you know the parents they wouldn't even like complain they wouldn't be like you know where's the pop star they just they'd be singing along oh right you know no one's complaining about you know Shakira and JLo yeah um, no one's complaining about you know Janet Jackson yeah. and Justin Timberlake you know it's just it's just full force wholesome yeah right and I, you know i just feel like that would just win back the super bowl's soul no, I, I I totally agree, Mike, and I I love this. I mean, I there's gotta be hundreds of millions of views on Baby Shark. Yes, right. Kids can get you rich if you pander to kids. The money is there. Oh, absolutely. And can you? Oh man, it it would just be that. That's game changing, right there, right? Like that's man. That. <laughs> And, you know, you get to reach an audience and maybe bring in an audience that wouldn't normally watch the Super Bowl, right? Like, <laughs> right. Absolutely. You got Japan and Australia in there. So. Right. Exactly. Um, man, Mike, what a, what a great follow-up to my not-so-wholesome. Right, right. Now <laughs> and, I'm curious. I want to hear your third. My third. And, you know, for those of you keeping track at home, it sounds like to me... That the bottom shelf is winning so far. I, I that's just me. Yeah, I'd like to hear our audience because you know some of those people might have their TiVos that's still <laughs> recorded. Mike, did you ever have a TiVo? You know, I've always wanted to know why I should want a TiVo. Just because the VCR was pretty okay, and um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get into TiVo. Maybe because it's like nothing uh, was on TV that I could really just that I needed to have on my time. Either because I always had free time, or because I just wasn't in TV. Right, right. And maybe somebody in our audience can, uh, you know, give us a, a how and why. But it just feels like one day the it stopped being TiVo and it started being DVR, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I still don't understand. Why people still watch television when there's all these streaming platforms commercial free? Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Like I mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I watched cable TV if it wasn't for like. Right. Okay, Mike. Um, this next one, at least to me, is just representative of just the everything that is good and pure and just awesome about the halftime show this might be like the quote-unquote best halftime show that's ever happened and it's the the 2007 performance 
put on by none other than Prince. Um, and, you know, for those of you not in the know, this one was in Miami. And um, it was perfect because it was raining slightly. So, you know, all Purple the... rain. Right. So he, so the, the set list for it was he played the intro to We Will Rock You, then Let's Go Crazy, Baby I'm a Star, Proud Mary, 1999, all along the Watchtower, Best of You, and then Purple Rain, all in the rain. And he absolutely was shredding it up there while looking like a 19, you know, a 19th century Victorian, um, you know, with his ruffled blouse and blue purple suit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, you know, this one, this halftime show was just so iconic. And, mm-hmm. you know, to, to me, it's everything that's, you know, that you want out of a, a halftime show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, someone that's incredibly talented um, in Prince. Right. And did he, did he uh, have like a, a beginning? Like who, who it was started off just, the show? It was just, it was just him. Um, what year was this? This had to be two, recent. Um, uh, I mean, recent in that it was 2007. Uh, yes. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's argued that it's, you know, the, you know, the, the, the best halftime show of all time. Um, it had 140 million, um, viewers and, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's just one of those performances where you sit down and you're like, you're like, wow, I, I experienced greatness. And, you know, mm-hmm. even though at the time I was too young to, to know who Prince was and to understand his discography, but, um, the performance I think has taken on a, a new shape, especially recently with his passing and, um, yeah, I, I think it's just representative of everything that could go well in a, a halftime show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to say, I think the world agrees with you on the uh, the type of show that came out uh, with that. I think it's, yeah, oh, he's rated as number two since the year 2000. Um, number one being Beyonce, Destiny's Child. I mean, people people really people really like that one, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know, I... I didn't even put that on my list, so take that as you, mm-hmm. as you will. But you definitely have the year two thousand with Phil Collins, right? Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, you brought out Prince, and fun fact about Prince is like growing up, I always thought that like Prince was Michael Jackson's nemesis. <laughs> like you they were too much wrestling, Mike. Well, no, that they like like. You were either Team Prince or you're Team Michael Jackson. <laughs> you couldn't like both. You couldn't like both because, like, you know, they hated each other, and um, you know, I, you know, I can, I made that narrative up in my head just because it seemed like it would fit, it would be perfect. But I, I guess yeah. it didn't, you know, because number one, they, they're two totally different genres. You know, number two, you know, they, they probably respected each other. Definitely appreciated each other's artistic talents. Oh, man, yeah. that's so funny. I also love, to me, that, like, somewhere in Little Mike Mordanga's mind, yeah. um, that, like, he he pictured them as once being a part of <laughs> a yeah. wrestling, like, they were a tag team wrestling duo. <laughs> and hey, they had and they had a a stable falling out, and you know now they're now they're nemesises, kind of like 
kind of like the superpowers of Hulk Hogan and right, right. I didn't like look at them like that, or just to think like uh, Prince's manager saying, right. "Did you see what Michael Jackson did? You need right. to up your game, Prince." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can't let him walk on you. <laughs> Quick, sing, uh, you know, "Purple Rain." Shred on your guitar. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's incredible! I love that. Um, right. Yeah, so you know that's you know that's my epitome. 2007, um, you know that's all, everything that a you know a halftime show could. Right. Speaking of the year 2000's greatest and best, um, I would absolutely love if there was a time. This is mine, by the way. In the time 2007, um, or roughly about the time one of the Shreks came out. That, you know, the Super Bowl is like, you know what? We need our best and brightest. We need, you know, top dollar, you know, the bands that really get the kids jumping. Right. You know, the ones that fill up the church van to, oh, you know, uh, the ones that get the the indie kids singing and rocking. They're jumping up and down, too. And so my my perfect, you know, 2007 halftime show you know, starts off with, you know, first is pitch black, as often it starts from the halftime show. And then you just hear that iconic voice. Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. <laughs> Thousands of screaming fans, a smash mouth comes out. Incredible. Singing their hit. But wait, it's not over. Uh, as iconic band uh, making their making their comeback... After being a really big hit in the 1999, Creed comes out um, talking about, you know, banging their head over, uh, you know, something vague and religious. Um, Then followed by Nickelback as they do a duo together, Creed and Nickelback singing together because no one can really tell them apart. No. (laughs) You know, I don't know if Creed is singing a Nickelback song or maybe Nickelback is singing a Creed song. Maybe it's Photograph. You know, together. Look at this photograph. And then, <laughs> when everyone has just rocked their brains out, Lifehouse <laughs> ends with an altar call skit. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face, but I want to see it so bad. Michael, I, I, I mean... <laughs> um... I love how you countered arguably the greatest Super Bowl halftime show with arguably the worst halftime show. You know, it depends on the year. I mean, if you're talking about when Shrek was popular, some of these bands were still loved. I mean, Lifehouse, not loved, not hated, but definitely tolerated. Yeah, like, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think what I love most about this lineup is just uh it, it's just the the randomness of it in in the in the in, in the fact of like who asked for this right right well imagine it's 2007 and right right you know you're someone's asking somebody you know what's the hottest pop sounds out there oh you know smash mouth you know did that shrek song and you know nickelback just you know wrote photograph maybe you know, Lifehouse, oh man, I love Stanley, Climbfall, you know, a great album. <laughs> and just this promoter just taking this guy at his word. Right, right. Thinking, oh, I was going to pick Prince, but, you know, 
you seem pretty confident about these four artists. I got to get what the kids are into. <laughs> oh man, Michael, uh, you know this. This might be this might be the first L. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, <laughs> I. This is the lifelong question: Could the combined powers of Smash Mouth, Creed, Nickelback, Lifehouse, if you took all their talent, put it together and experience, would it equal one prince? You know, that's that's the question of all time, right? And unfortunately, right. it's an it's a that's a question we'll never know a definitive answer. Right. Um, I like to think that Prince could take them on. I think it'd be. I'd like a, to think that. That's a fight I'd like to see. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, <laughs> Michael, Michael, Michael. Okay, well, let's move from one meme machine to another. Um. And maybe the most memed Super Bowl halftime show after probably in contention with the weekends, but 2015's Super Bowl halftime show featuring Katy Perry, Lenny Kravitz, Missy Elliott, and your Arizona State University Sun Devil marching band. Oh, wow. Um, I'm thinking Katy Perry, Perry was like the on the head of that poster she was you know the the de facto face of it but let me set a scene for you the stadium goes dark (laughs) suddenly (laughs) paid professionals on the field raise up colored flashlights in the shape of the pepsi logo and suddenly (laughs) stage left Katy Perry's roar starts playing, and Katy Perry rides in, riding upon a giant mechanical tiger. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, followed by her hit Dark Horse. Then she sang a duet with Lenny Kravitz and Katy, pa- uh, Katy Perry and Lenny Kravitz. I don't know if you remember this particular halftime show, but uh, Lenny Kravitz came out wearing what I can only describe as your mom's curtains. <laughs> whatever picture just was conjured in your mind that's exactly what he was wearing mm-hmm. um and then it kind of like shifted into this like weird beach scene with teenage dream and california girls well, and then and then this is where we got... be wearing clothes right i mean yeah yeah there was a costume change she was wearing like a a, a fire dress and then she mm-hmm. like changed into like beach esque costume this is also where we get the uh the infamous left shark do you remember left shark no um so in her performance um there was uh, a background dancer in a shark costume um there was a right shark who nailed the choreography and then left shark who just kind of did its own thing and didn't do any of the choreography and it kind of became like this internet meme if you look up uh, if you look up left shark it's like this it's like a whole it's a whole thing um yeah. and i feel like mm-hmm. left shark probably is making thousands on either tiktok instagram or youtube exactly um and then in a real right turn missy elliott came out and sang get your freak on and work it mm-hmm. and lose control and then katie perry came back and you know tied it all together with a, a an incredible rendition of firework and um yeah it it you know this one you know katie perry just the epitome of what it means to be a pop star and 
you know, just absolutely killed his performance. And I like to think, you know, they're, you know, I kind of, the way I structured my list there, um, I did, I felt like this one kind of best called back to the 1991 performance and kind of showed the, the ultimate progression from, you know, where it was as a weird kind of Disney show to this huge production and Katy Perry and, um, you know, this is this is what I think it means to be a, a 21st century Super Bowl halftime mm-hmm. performance. And, you know, I'll see your hot and hip pop culture. Yes. And I'm going to bring down the most humble uh, halftime show ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Humble and classy. All right. So imagine, imagine if uh, the Super Bowl was somehow played... In like a nice mid-sized field that could fit like maybe a thousand people, a couple thousand. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And first, it opens with you know the local middle school orchestra <laughs> uh, doing their best to play hot cross buns, um, getting probably eighty percent of the notes right. But you know they're so proud. You know, yeah, so absolutely. proud. That- that the Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills invited them to play. <laughs> so, you know, after they do their version of Let It Go, um, you know, the lights go out again. And then the London Philharmonic Orchestra plays all of Ty- Tchaikovsky, all his greatest hits. In, I love uh, his performance. Well, maybe, maybe like top three hits. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's so, it's so classy. Mm. It's so humbling. <laughs> and just the juxtaposition between that middle school orchestra uh, and the London Philharmonic Orchestra is, would just be, you know, I don't know. It would just bring some class back, but also, you know, some heart. You know, we talked about that Disney and the kids coming together, trying to bring back the soul of the Super Bowl. But I, I just think a middle school orchestra, nothing speaks more innocently than that. Yeah, Mike. I mean, with this one, you're going right for the heartstrings. You know, you know, right. where you know, I, I, you know, what I presented to the people was, you know, some corporate shill that's in it for the money right. and for the fame. There's no heart and soul in Katy Perry's performance. You want nope. heart and soul? You need a middle school band performing tight chask. Ah, yeah. So absolutely. No, I, I I totally get it. I also love that you're you're under the impression that the NFL would um, one want that, <laughs> and two have it be in a stadium of like a thousand people. <laughs> right, right. It would be uh, like uh, the Rochester's uh, Rhino Stadium. <laughs> I think that that might even be too big. I think I think there's more there's more seats than that. And for a thousand, that's like a maybe a high school. <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh High School. Exactly. Orchestra, one of the nicer schools. Come on, right. it is the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. I and love that. that back, you know, America. You know, America is about big country playing local football. Yeah. Right. You know, that's that's at the end of the day, that's what football is about, right? Community, family. Yeah. Turkey dinner. It. Turkey dinner. <laughs> I love that. Just, All right, just incredible. Um, so Mike, shall I one. shall I go to my last? Yes, my last one. And you know, keeping with the theme, I know earlier we talked about that scoundrel performance by Justin Timberlake. 
But, you know, in a, a, a twist of fate, Justin Timberlake was given a chance to redeem himself. And redeem himself he did. In 2018, Justin Timberlake performed Filthy, Rock Your Body, Senorita, Sexy Back, My Love, Cry Me River, Suit and Tie, Until the End of Time, I Would Die for You, which was pre- a pre-recorded video with Prince. Um, mm-hmm. And they did like that whole uh, like video augmented reality sort of thing yep. um, with Prince production. Mirrors and then Can't Stop the Feeling. And, you know, this is the, the second one on my list that I feel like was a callback. And um, one represents just the maturity and the growth of Justin Timberlake from his dastardly performance in 2004. But mm-hmm. also, I, I think it's a um, just a, a perfect example of, um, you know, one one the, the whole one person carrying a show all by himself. Justin Timberlake was electric in this performance. And, you know, the consummate entertainer. And, um, you know, I, I put this one on my list because um, not only was I entertained, but, um, you know, I was struck by just the the redemption from it, you know? Him being able to come back and, you know, prove that, you know, he's, he's not his past mistakes. And instead, you know, Justin Timberlake. Right. But it was just Justin Timberlake? Because yeah, I... Mm-hmm. Thought Lady Gaga was in one of those. So she she was the year before. Oh, okay. 2017 by herself. She's she's my honorable mention. Uh, the her right. performance. Um, in um, yeah, hers was hers was as well. Well, I was gonna bring up the story about uh, you know, the the pastors that were coming out with this conspiracy theory. You see, when Lady Gaga. Um, she did like this huge stage dive, which like fell off of a to- like off a tower onto the stage. And they're like, you know, you know, back then Lady Gaga, you know, every every pastor had her their sights on her. And they're like, yes, we're we're convinced she's Satan because you know she's telling us uh, through symbolism that she's Satan. Notice that she was on top of the tower, like when Satan was uh in heaven with god right and then she said in in the song she sings and then i fall and then she falls down to the stage like satan falling angel and therefore you know lady gaga you know she gave herself away she is truly uh beelzebub in disguise and that guy figured it out right <laughs> right i i mean i I love just the uh, the the depth that people will try to go to for this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, why? You gotta pin it on somebody, Adam. Right, right, and and, and that's how one always an has to be Satan. It's got to be Satan. It has to be Satan. We know uh, Satan isn't an employee at the Piggly Wiggly, so it has right. to be Lady Gaga. It has to be anything <laughs> that is outside of what makes me feel comfortable has to be Satan. Right. But I'm glad you brought in a redemption story because I have a redemption story yes. that I feel like um, only applies to what I think should be redeemed. So Ooh. in this story, the NFL, for reasons I'm not sure, but they're hosting their show, their biggest game in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the birth of ska music is Jamaica. 
And what do you have when you do a halftime show? Well, you have some of the best ska and reggae. So outcoming first is Mustard Plug, playing some of their top, top hits, um, followed by Real Big Fish. Uh-huh. And then um, a Ziggy. Ziggy, oh gosh, um, I'm drawing a blank. What his last name is, his father is really famous. Oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. I should have written this down. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> the guy who sings One Love, Buffalo Soldier. Bob Marley? Uh, Ziggy Marley, yes. Ziggy Marley. Ziggy Marley comes out and just wraps the whole thing up. A huge sign comes down that says Ska is not dead. <laughs> and thousands of Americans, millions of Americans are saying, I don't understand what just happened. <laughs> because only, only a handful of people really want Ska to come back. Right. But then, you know, at the end of the performance, Everyone wants Scott to come back. Right. right. And then somewhere, the OC Supertones and Five Iron Frenzy, right. they perk their heads up and they're like, guys, this is our moment. And they run to their vans. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Michael, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say, Mike. Um, I, that sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> I don't know why we had to go to Jamaica for that. Yeah, I don't know why either. <laughs> but, you know, Ziggy Marley appreciates it. Right, exactly. Hey, you know, you got to go to the birthplace. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah. was it. That was our, our list. And uh, now yeah. our audience is forced to decide right. who who in the world they would want to live in. My world or your real world? Right. The world that's already happened or yes. <laughs> this imaginary world. and. You know, Mike, I, I hope this becomes maybe a, a regular game that we, you know, we start playing. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I know it was a little abstract in its conception, but I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's going to be on our fans to tell us who won. And that's going to empower us, um, empower us to make more of these. So fans, if you're listening, please go on our Discord, Campus 180 Fun. Tell us, tell us who won. Exactly. And, you know, and we'd love to, you know, to do more lists and stuff into the future, or we'd love to, to do topics into the future, into the future about maybe things that you want to maybe see a little bit of a, a deeper dive on, like we, we usually do in our, in our shows. So mm-hmm. if there's anything that you think exists in the world that doesn't get enough love, we would love to, to hear about it. Absolutely. And so that takes off our sports uh, yearly requirement. Yeah, right, right. We don't have to worry about sports again. Goodbye. All right. And good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, do, do, in two weeks, do we do commercials? The best uh, bottom shelf commercials? Bottom shelf commercials? Uh, I mean, I don't know, Mike. I, I don't think I'm ready to be a corporate shill like that. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's not Doritos. It's... It's uh, Zesty Chips that's getting the million-dollar contract. Zesty <laughs> Chips. Yeah. Man, those are, those are great. Um, you know, speaking of commercials, I, um, I had... Uh, I don't even know how it came up, but um, do you remember that one gum commercial where they would like replace people's bad language with random words, and this lady called another lady a lint licker? Oh, my gosh. 
Um, that sounds like a yeah. It was very two thousand. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do a we'll do a, a commercials list. I don't know. We'll see. Top ten lint liquor top words words right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we'll uh, we'll do a a top ten video game company mergers. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, you heard you heard it here. If any of these bands even touch a halftime stage. You know it was because of this guy. I'm pointing to myself, you know. Right. right. I'm and the one who made middle school bands popular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you know, our our track record, you know, it speaks for itself, you know. Like we, you know, we we we've brought a brought a lot of attention to a lot of different, you know, things in pop culture and you know, I, I got to say we're we're right more than we're not. Mhm. We are. And, you know, the 18 people that listened to our last episode, uh, you know that you're getting the word out there. You must be a high in influence and power. And, you know, millions of TikTok followers, you know, a seat in government, because that's the only way I could think of any of this getting out. Stone's getting bribed. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, In two weeks, we'll come out with our next episode, and who knows what we'll be talking about. Anyways, I've been Mike. I'm Adam. And this is Bottom Shelf Dream. Mwah. All right, I'm going to briefly interrupt your Campus 180 radio podcast to give you a very important message. First of all, thank you for joining us on Campus 180 radio. We love having you here. But what else we love is we also love having fun. And we have so much more than just Campus 180 radio to have fun. We have two Discord servers that you can join us in. The first one is a fun Discord where you can hang out with great people, play games, talk about fun and nerdy things, and just have an overall good time. We have another Discord where we have Bible studies and philosophical discussion where you can come in, talk about life, be real with people, and we're not going to judge you. Both servers are open to everyone regardless of what you believe. We'd love to answer your questions about faith, life, and everything in between. Feel free to check the links in the description. And now we go back to your regularly scheduled Campus 180 radio podcast.